person, person, woman, woman, man, man, man. Camera TV. Camera TV. They say, they say, that's amazing. That's amazing. How did you do that? How did you do that? Person, person, woman, woman, man, man. Camera, camera, TV, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? Repeat that. So I said, so yeah. I said, yeah. So it's person, so person woman, woman, man, camera, man, TV. camera TV. Give us that again. Us Can that you again. do that again? And you go person, woman, man, camera TV. Go back to that question. You may need to clean the wax out of your holes. Now these developments that need interpreting on every front. Aerial view with Chris Live End Times Talk Radio. Friday. 6 p.m. East Sign. Call 760 Pound. And Sometimes I hear you speaking in here when I know there's nobody in here. You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. What kind of radio show is this? I heard his voice. I really put it in I know how to talk to people. Mike has this man go on the air, deliver a coded message. You're out of your mind. I'm not out of my mind. Oh, come on. Now, we're going to listen to what he said on the air. Because all we're dealing with here, after all, is talk show time. But guess it's a man's life. I don't see that as I have an idea now. First name, Mr. Middle name, period. Last name, G. I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Very auspicious beginning. Sure, the talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beat. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. Ha, ha, ha! 
End of part one. Intermission. End of intermission. Part two. I think that the humans always tend to talk about rubbish and because they don't really want to face the reality of them. The number here is 760-422-5528-760. I call AV. AV standing for Aerial View, a talk show that's been around in one form or another since 1989. Today the helicopters were out around here. You know, we're not far north of the Lincoln Tunnel here in the Hawk. And uh, sometimes these helicopters will hover above the mouth of the Lincoln Tunnel. Something happened. Who the hell knows what? And they're loud and the blades go chop, 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 chop. Chop, 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 chop. You're like, man, LA's got nothing on me. Speaking of Los Angeles, gonna go out to Los Angeles tonight. Another California calling. Here on Aerial View as we welcome W. Earl Brown back to the program. You might know him from uh, such TV shows as Deadwood and 15 million others because he's been on everything. And uh, films as well, Backdraft and oh so many more. This is Aerial View on the Hound, NYC.com where you can hear Hound Howls every Sunday. 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Crashing the Party. Doo-wop, chop shop of the year. With Mark and Miriam. We got those doo-wops on vinyl. <sighs> and, um, we're 39 days out from the most important election of your lifetime. As we are continuously told. And, uh, all right. All right. I got to give it to you. It's pretty goddamn important. You know, my last name is Greek. Sackis. And my father used to say it was shortened at Ellis Island. But, you know, who knows if that's true. That it had an extra couple of syllables, vowels in it, whatever. Sackarakis. Sackarakis. Some lazy SOB at Ellis Island. Yeah, fuck this. I'm not writing all this down. Not your name, Sackis. That's how I imagine it going down. My people coming over from the old world to the new. Make a better lives for themselves. But bringing that great Greek invention, democracy. Democracy. That everybody should have a vote. And everybody should have a say. And the leaders should be elected by the people. Democracy. In America, the greatest laboratory of democracy the world has ever seen. Don't call me and tell me it's a republic. Fuck you. So what? It could be a republic with a democracy. I used to get into this argument all the time with truck drivers. Oh, truck drivers, you break my heart every time. You break my heart, you break my heart. Every time. I mean, uh, the best working class people there are bringing shit from wherever the hell it's 
dropped off at the port to you. So you don't have to go get it. How would you like to drive to the port to get your shit? No. The truck drivers make sure you don't have to do that. Hard-working people. The fatality rate of driving a truck is higher than just about every other profession. You think being a cop is dangerous? You think being a construction worker is dangerous? Try driving truck for a living. If it doesn't kill you quick, with an accident it kills you slow. With the diabetes and the... emphysema and the heart disease and you name it, the list goes on and on. These people are sacrificing themselves for us. I, I just wish they didn't swallow such ridiculous horseshit all the time. It's back when I was doing that for a living and they would call me up with some crackpot bullshit. I'd be like, why do you believe that? How is it you came to believe that? And I always believe in, in using humor if possible. I like to use a scalpel where other people will use a cleaver. I'm not trying to make enemies here. I'm just trying to say to people, why do you, why do you believe that? How did you come to believe that? And it was easier to do back then. <laughs> you really just had a few sources to blame. You had Breitbart and you had Fox News, of course, Rupert Murdoch, that piece of shit. You had definite places to point your fingers at, right? Now, oh my god, now in the age of everybody sharing shit on Facebook, now what do you do? I see the dumbest shit on Facebook. Some of it from truck drivers, other, other shit from other people, but just stupid as the day is long. People will apparently swallow anything. It's no wonder Jim Jones got all those people to kill themselves! You know, you begin to wonder about the operating principle of a cult. Any cult, you name it. Could be uh, Scientologists, could be, uh, you know... I consider a lot of religions to be cults. I don't want to insult anybody, but... You know, that kind of blind faith was never my thing. I mean, maybe the band for a couple of minutes, but otherwise... Not a big, not a big fan. I like natural Jesus, not supernatural Jesus. I never could get with the Jesus that rolled away the stone and rose from the dead. I'm like, he did. What? He did. What? Seemed a little far-fetched, if you ask me. And I was like, what's, what's, uh, what's wrong with natural Jesus? Why can't we just have natural Jesus? When I went around saying all those great things, turn the other cheek. An eye for an eye leaves every man blind. Is that what's bothering you, Bunky? Hey, it's getting to be about that time when I'm going to call W. Earl Brown. But uh, this is the preamble of the show. And let me find a thread once more. Democracy. Yes. Oh, yes. That great innovation. Democracy. Fuck the monarchy. Fuck being a serf, a vassal. Fuck that. We're citizens. And we get to vote. Vote, 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 vote. To throw the bastards out. You got 39 days to throw this human pile of garbage out of the White House. And I, I, my friends, they get worried. They get scared. They think that uh, he's not going to go. He's, he's trying to figure out now how he can stay and never have to leave. And I can't wait. I hope they throw him out on his ass on live television. I hope the U.S. Marshals and the Secret Service march in there and go, Get up! I would love to see that. I dream of seeing it. I want this time to end. I want the Trump era to be over. Because I can't fucking take anymore. He's working on my last nerve with this latest shit about how they won't... Hey, peaceful transfer of power... Not me! It's a piece of garbage. You know, the Founding Fathers, they thought of a lot of shit. They didn't think about somebody who just refused to abide by any norms or traditions or rules or precedents or anything. If it wasn't actually in the law, then fuck it, why should I do it? Someone who would lie, cheat. 
and then accuse the other side of lying and cheating. And by the way, there's a presidential debate on Tuesday. Oh, that ought to be good, huh? I was just reading an article from a psychologist about how you should deal with somebody like Donald Trump when you're debating them, why you shouldn't try to refute them with facts and why you shouldn't try to argue their points they made and blah, 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 and how you should really just ridicule them. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Hey, Phil, what are you doing? You're screwing up my outgoing call to W. Earl Brown. You realize that, right? I did not realize Yeah, well, that's what you just did. uh, Now I'm late. Phil? No, no, no. Is your house burning down yet, or are you still uh, intact over there in Portland? No, we have the have the looters in. looted your house yet? Are you still intact? Yeah. We're good. We're on the you're, outskirts. You're on the outskirts. All right. You're you on the. Can't touch us here. We're in the suburbs. Hey Phil, is there a darkness on the edge of town by any chance? Just look out your window. Yeah. Let me know. It's a little dark. All right, Phil. I gotta go. Try later All after right. I talk to W. Earl Brown and desperate to kill another ten or fifteen minutes. That's when you should call. But right now. Dialing uh, a man I met, oh, many years ago now. I don't even recall, frankly, and maybe... I doubt if Earl does, but we'll see. Trying him now. Hello? Hey, W. Earl Brown, how are you? Welcome back to Area of View. Hey, Chris. Good Good to to see you, man. Good good to to talk to you. Good to talk to you (laughs) once again. What's the vibe there on a Friday out in... uh, Where are you? Are you in Burbank? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's what's the vibe right now? <laughs> well, it's like every other day, every other day for the last eight months. <laughs> um, um, the, in what term are you are you talking uh, about the vibe? The vibe is it is it does it feel like a weekend or is the whole idea of the concept of a weekend <laughs> shot to hell and who knows what a weekend is anymore? That yeah, kind of for thing. me. Yeah, I, I have no idea. No one idea. day bleeds into the other. Right. My wife, uh, she works in the Disney streaming division, so she is swamped with work. Right. Um, she's been here at our house in their home office since March. Yeah. Um, so she still works on the weekends, but she works less hours. So that's really the only way that I can tell what day of the week it is, is if she's not at her desk on a Zoom conference call. Uh, I can usually tell, oh, it's a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, well, it's it's Friday the, night. The wheels are slowly are, are slowly starting to turn back in show business. I've been doing a, a for the um, I worked last week and then I finished next week a little low budget movie with Elijah Wood that we're shooting here in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, and that's really been the first and only thing that I've done in nine months. Wow. Well, have you worked with Elijah Wood before? Is this the first time? No, I no, I never even met the guy. Never met the guy. Um, All right. It was funny when um, I was going out, we're filming out in Pomona, and I had the the first day I drove out there was the worst day of all the wildfires. Oh my god! So I I left home at about the time the sun was coming up, and it was the creepiest, eeriest feeling of watching that sun come up in the east because I'm driving eastward. Well, and, for, and for I, folks, told him, yeah. I told him when I met him, I said it's kind of ironic on the morning that I meet you, I have to drive through Mordor to do so. Did, did uh, he? Hopefully, he laughed and he didn't roll his eyes at you, like, "Oh yeah. God!" Oh no, guy. no. Okay, good. Oh, he's the nicest. Yeah, the nicest guy. I said he he completely lives up to his reputation, and he kind of looked at me and I went, "You have a reputation of being the nicest dude and really good at what you do." And so, um, he so yeah, and he said it's all true. I I can't be humble. That's not part of my reputation, right? He's he's a really uh he's got those unique eyes, man. Are those eyes as riveting in person as they are on screen? He's got these. Yeah, but there's there's such a real kindness to them. Oh, nice. Um, okay, good. What what struck me, man, when I saw him in Sin City, because I never would have dreamt that that guy could play a role like that, like mm-hmm. Kevin. Um. And then I just watched uh, this Netflix movie. Um, God, the title escapes my mind. I-, I watched it last week. I didn't even know about it until he was talking about it. And he plays a really quasi-deranged dude in that movie. Um, yeah, he's he's a wonderful actor. He he's, can pull it uh, off. He's, he's uh, you know, he's a working actor like you. And the last time we spoke, you, you said that Hollywood hadn't really figured out yet how they were going to do live action in the age of COVID-19. So when you say things yeah. are slowly picking up, have they figured it out? Have they worked out 
some rules and, and this, procedures? Yeah. For this film, I've so far had four COVID tests. Um, I had to go in uh, a week and a half before we were supposed to start. I had to go through this drive through clinic to have the swab up my nose. Um, and then I had to do it again the Saturday before I started. And then I've had two on-set tests administered the, the, um, that you swab yourself. And then there's a, there is a, a team of three people, but there's a main nurse um, in charge of it, testing everybody the morning temperatures, all of that stuff. And, and there's, there are, there are quadrants, there's green, yellow, and red, and you have to have a mask on in all of them in the green quadrant. People have to stay six feet apart in a yellow quadrant means people have to work closely to one another to, you know, to move equipment, to set up lights, to do all of that stuff. <clears throat> and the red quadrant is basically the live set. That's the only place that anybody could be without a mask. And that's the actors. Um, and then we had a dedicated green room set aside because all the scenes were just me and him talking. Mm. Um, we had a dedicated green room that we would just go in, um, you know, while they're rearranging the set. So set protocol is completely um, a whole new series of protocol is in place. How long we're going to have to go through that? Probably until we have a vaccination. Wow. Um, is there so, someone yeah, on set? Is there someone on set whose sole responsibility it is to make sure that the set protocol, COVID nineteen <clears throat> protocol, is is followed? Yes. Okay. That nurse. Yeah. Nurse. The nurse. Okay. Good. Wow. And then she has two people assisting her with the check ins and the 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 location testing. The set. The the test you do right there. It's a quick test that they run. Um, yeah. But yeah, she is. And then the ads. I mean, they run the set. The first ad does. So they're following guidelines, too. Those guidelines are set and oversaw by that nurse. And this is a low-budget film. Right. This is an under two. Now, um, which, can you, you know, tell us the title million. of this project? Is there a title yet? Do you, are you able to tell um, us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk All about right. it. I signed an NDA on it. Got it. Um, I see you're playing yeah. a character called Buzzard in something. So, you know, Buzzard was one of the regular <laughs> callers back in the day, truck driver who would call into the trucking channel all the time. And, you know, I was just talking about truck driving, and you and I know a truck driver. Um, you you kind of <laughs> grew up with him as well. Uh, ben. I heard from Ben not that long ago, by the way. I talked to Ben not that long ago, uh, a.k.a. the big pig in the big rig. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was I was starting to show by asking, like, you know, truck drivers who I dearly love for all they do and, and the fact that it's a, a occupation with a high fatality rate, higher than law enforcement or construction or anything, and um, but but man, I, on Facebook, I'm still friends with a lot of truck drivers who just swallow the most ridiculous nonsense I've I've ever heard. And it's like and and I don't know, we live in a post-truth world. And this is what's worrying me about what's facing us in 39 days. So, I, I mean, I don't know which one of those threads you want to pull on, Earl, but feel free to pull on any of them because Kentucky's going to come into the picture, too. Yeah, Um you know, I, I talk to Ben. We talk at least once a month, sometimes more. Ben's the closest thing I have to a brother. He was my best man at my wedding. Um, and, and, you know, he's he's conservative, but he's not a staunch, um, not a Trump guy, at least to my knowledge. Um, you know, I, the fairness doctrine went out the window um, as far as media. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw this ruling yesterday, the argument for Fox to this judge. Somehow Tucker Carlson's being sued over something. I don't know the particulars. Of Karen McDougal is suing him because he supposedly defamed oh. her by saying she lied about having an affair with the president. And oh, paid off. There you so, go. Yeah. Yep. Well, you see, their defense is that he's not a news program. Yeah, it's entertainment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they actually it's, it's said not, in the court documents no, no that no reasonable individual <laughs> could take right. him seriously. That's what they said in the court documents. It's like no yeah. one's turning on Tucker Carlson to get truth, you know. Uh -huh. And and so you know, look, but they reveal their game at every turn. It's just I always wonder if they play the game better than anybody else because really, when all you want is to get power and hang on to power, you can be fairly ruthless about it. It's kind of like watching uh -huh. that extra season of Game of Thrones at this point. I, I don't know what to make of it. It's are you worried at all? Do you because you know friends of mine they were they get worried and I still think there's a lot of people predicting a Trump win 
because they want to be able to brag after November 3rd if it happens. They want to be able to say, I told you so. So I try to put those fires out, but are you uh, nervous, worried at all? I, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. I, some days, I mean, I see all of the early voting that's happening, and I see this huge wave against him, um, and I see it active. I see it happening. Um, but then I think, you know, in 16, I never thought he would fucking win. Yeah. Um, you know, well, he didn't, you know, the look on his face when he won that night was kind of one of shock. He was not prepared to. No, it, no he, the, wanted, the campaign... he wanted to up his, up his brand. He wanted right. to launch Trump TV. And that was, that was what he was doing it for. Um, I just hate that our, our politics, I mean, it's always kind of been there, but. Now, I'll preface this by saying I love professional wrestling. It's fun. It's it's silly fun. And it takes great athletic skill to be able to do that. Um, but it's not an athletic competition. Unfortunately, our, the, our political uh, system has become professional wrestling. And Donald Trump is really good at reality TV, at playing up those angles. Yeah. You know, when you listen to the tapes, the 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 Bob Woodward tapes, um, that's a different guy than what you're seeing at the rallies. It's all a put on. Yeah. Um, and and I just it just turns my stomach. And and that goes. That's not just a right wing thing. There's left wingers. You know, there's there's loons out there on the left wing that that play up the same thing. Um, I'm with you, and, and you know, it, it, we always hear that most Americans are grouped near the center, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I've, I've had this feeling lately of being, you know, that song by that band Magazine, shot by both sides. I, I've, often I feel like I'm being shot by both sides because my, yeah. my really progressive friends get on me for stuff, and then my conservative friends get on me for stuff, and I feel like, yeah. well, you know, I'm sort of sitting in the middle where a lot of Americans are, so I feel okay about that. Yeah. And that means Joe Biden's my guy. That's that's well, what it, I, I that's read what it this, goes down uh, to. A few years ago, I did not coin this this metaphor. I read it somewhere, but it was so apt. Um, the the horseshoe theory of politics that the further from the center that the ends bend, the closer they get. Yeah, there is there, um, there is a lot of crackpot sort of alignment between uh-huh. right wing nuts and left wing nuts. There is, and yep. and you know, and and I feel like most Americans are just like en- enough of the crazy. They just want things to stabilize a oh, bit I, because yeah. the volatility gets to be like we're going through an unprecedented mental health crisis right now. I mean, people yeah. are really losing their minds over the 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 inconsistency. First of all, you know, and. And friends of mine even talk about Wall Street. They're like, Wall Street's going to take a giant shit if Joe Biden becomes president. And I'm like, no. Well, we always hear that Wall Street doesn't like volatility. And who's the most volatile person around? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you got somebody in there who every day wasn't doing or saying something absolutely nuts, like recently in Minnesota, you know, advancing white supremacist talking points, essentially, uh-huh. things might stabilize a bit and Wall Street might actually like that. They might actually mm-hmm. feel like, okay, now we could plan for the future because right now we have a chaos agent in the White chaos. House, and f- the future isn't guaranteed at this point. Who knows? Nobody's future is guaranteed, but I mean America's future. You know, uh, so yeah. I, I I agree with you completely. Yeah, and there is an absolute cultural malaise um, since the advent of of the coronavirus. Um, everything has just exploded exponentially. It's, everything's gotten worse. And all of the other problems that we had before were situations that he created. He just up, upped his uh, rhetoric about, the, oh, the danger at the, at the, the border, the, the border, the caravans. He'd up his rhetoric, create a problem in the minds of certain people, and then he would douse his rhetoric and claim victory. He'd solve the problem. Well, corona is the first time that something was beyond his control. Um, you know, and and just the utter chaos with which this has been handled, and uh, that's why our country is in the position that we are. And all he would have to do to guarantee his reelection is actually do something about COVID nineteen. He would, it's you know, if he solved the pandemic, if he figured, if he if he was able to slow down the pandemic or stamp it out like they did in other places, then. He might mm-hmm. actually get reelected, but he's so incompetent he couldn't even do that. He, 
he's never really succeeded in anything in his life. He's just kind of failed upwards. It's it's an amazing story. Only in America. It can only happen in America. I'm not sure this could fly in other places. I don't know. Well, well the other the other thing is, you know, I, I read a lot of political reporters and and opinionists on both sides. I don't really watch TV anymore. I I even turned off the morning shows. Um as far as you know tv news um and the noise um but there's a lot of of um grounded conservatives that i agree with i've read john Kasich's last book i i think the world of that guy i could vote for that guy um but with what the republican party has allowed themselves to to become um you know I, I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my own train of thought. Well, in it's, it's the four things, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They they want, uh, actually, they want tax cuts for themselves. So they want a transfer of wealth from those who could least afford it to those who don't need it. Mm-hmm. They they mm-hmm. want federal judgeships. Um, they want the gutting of the social safety net. And, uh, uh-huh. and there was one other thing. Well, oh, what's that other thing? I know there's one more thing. They, those are the things. Those are the only things they care about. Uh, yeah, the gutting of the social safety net. They want oh deregulation. Oh, everything has to be deregulated because regulations mm-hmm. are bad. And so they are setting about serving their own interests and dividing America. It's the, the weird thing about what he's been able to do is just completely f- forget about more than one half of America, the half that doesn't like him and doesn't vote for him. And he doesn't even want to be president of that half. He just wants to be president of the part that will keep him in power, the half 42% or whatever it is that is considered his base who will keep him in power. It's kind of amazing to watch. We've never seen anything like this. And now the latest outrage, of course, is he refuses to accept the peaceful transfer of power if he is not elected. And I, I think the play I think the play on that is um he's trying to up the rhetoric and increase the potential for social upheaval um so that he has leverage that if if this this election is a landslide going the other way, there's all sorts of criminal indictments that are gonna be facing him. So And Joe I, Biden I has said he will not stand in the way of any prosecution of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to what happened, you know, with Barack Obama in 2008, where Barack Obama essentially said, you know, we're not going to pro- start prosecuting people. We have to get the country back together and we have to focus on that. And a lot of people questioned it at the time. They said, hey, some of these folks should be in prison for what they did. And this time, I don't know. Yeah, it almost seems like re-election is a strategy just to stay out of jail for this guy. And, you know, he's obviously got enough money. Well, he says he has enough money. We will never see his tax returns. We don't know. There are very credible people who think that he is beholden to Russia financially. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. A lot of moving parts. But then you have what's going on in your home state in Kentucky with Breonna Taylor and the ruling that came down yesterday about not indicting any of these cops who apparently mm-hmm. executed a no-knock warrant. And I've been to Louisville many, many times. It sort of breaks my heart to see what's happening and to see the unrest that's going on there. But what is it that's going on in Kentucky and, and what does it have to do with the nature of Kentucky itself, if you want to drill down on in, that question? In, or... in what aspect? I mean, well, I, that case or, or in terms Mitch of the McConnell? in terms of law enforcement in Kentucky, in terms of well, Mitch McConnell, yeah, and then well, Ron Paul I, apparently I, suffered a live stroke today, among other things. It's, who, who did Ron Paul? Oh, Ron Paul, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On um, on live stream TV, he had a stroke. Yes. What's ironic? I don't know anybody, even the Republican conservative people in Kentucky that like Mitch McConnell or Ron Paul, but they still vote for them. That's what I don't get. Oh, that, that Robin bastard, that thief! Look at all the money he's took. He 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 didn't have pot to piss in. Now he's been, but they still vote for him. Um, because that's it's their team. That's that's their team. Team so, red, yeah. Team frustration red. in that. Um, you know, I, I the whole the thing that's happening in Louisville. There was a really great deep dive, uh, great journalism on in the New York Times about a week and a half ago that went through all of that up 
through the the crime of what happened. That really shine the light they, on you know. Yeah. Um, the police department. Um, there. Don't get me wrong. There's guilt. I think the guilt lays on the system. Um, rather than necessarily the individual cops. The one guy that did get charged with reckless endangerment and was fired. He's the only one that didn't follow the rules. Um, and so the rules are to blame. Um, and it just it's it's horrifying to think that somebody completely innocent asleep in their own home gets attacked that somebody's breaking in their door the law says kentucky has an um, open carry law you have a right to stand your ground and protect yourself um and then is killed it's just it's it's so hopefully there's going to be a lot of systematic change that comes out of this um if not individual people um finding justice but I, I think the big tell, this is the, I, I had this discussion with my uh, fiery progressive daughter uh, who's outraged by all of this. And I laid out what was read in the New York Times, the reasons for the warrant and her past relationship with this guy who, and Anna brought up a very salient point. She goes, well, maybe that justifies their behavior up to that moment, but their behavior after that moment where they were trying to cover their own ass where they were trying to pressure the ex-boyfriend into implicating Brianna, he wouldn't do it. Where they tried to file charges against the guy that her her current boyfriend that was in there with her, right? Um, and, and everything trying to cover their own ass um, implicates them in my mind. And um, I thought my kid had a very good point. Yeah, they wrote um, a report about that that said that nothing happened. Basically, they didn't uh-huh. you know, that there were no injuries. I mean, it's there's a very good documentary. Speaking of the New York Times, it's on FX and Hulu, and it's called "The Killing of Breonna Taylor," and and it lays out what happened in Louisville and why these protests are still occurring. And uh, we're living through when, extraordinary. When, when is this? I, I don't know that I've seen this. It's called "The but Killing that... of Breonna Taylor," and uh, it's on. When did it I, go up? When did it? Get it's, released. it's about a week ago, I believe it went. Oh, up. It, uh, well, yeah. it may be in conjunction with that because that's about when I read. Because I subscribe, on, I don't get it delivered. I have it on my iPad, New York mm. Times, and that's where I read it. Yeah, uh, which was a timeline, you know, about the the drug houses that her ex was involved in, um, you know, everything. Yeah, they basically um, took that so, article and made it into a mini yeah. documentary. It's 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 very good. It lays it all out and. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tragedy, and the idea of these no-knock warrants, and especially yeah. the way that they really do this overreach, because just because she had once dated this guy didn't mean she still had anything to do with him. He was a scumbag, mm-hmm. and she was trying to get away from him and not be involved with this scumbag. And she found a good guy, and they were working on a life together. They were going to get married and have mm-hmm. children and the whole damn thing. And then, lo and behold, and by the way, war on drugs. We're still doing the war on drugs. I mean, the idea mm-hmm. that the billions of dollars we've thrown into the war on drugs. And this is the result. I mean, a lot of times it's just this idea of, you know, we got to get these drugs off the street. Meanwhile, drugs are the only thing and bourbon from your home state. They're going to get us through the next 39 days. As far as I'm concerned, I I, I don't know how else we're going to do it. It's by the way, uh, I want to ask about uh, your daughter, Anna and her reaction to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing that she's laying in state right now at the U S Capitol. First woman, to have done so was she an rbg fan did she have any reaction oh yeah 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 yep um you know it's uh, and and as was my wife yeah. um so it's kind of been a, a a state of mourning my kid moved in she and her boyfriend they graduated in june from university of oregon and they want to live in los angeles so they're staying with us until they can get a place of their own um so it, they've been here since uh, right at the end of July. So it, it was like a state of mourning here this past week since her passing. Well, it's just... And, and that uh, was somebody I really admired, too. I mean, I, I I didn't know all that much about her until the film, the RBG film. Yes. Uh, from a couple of years Same ago. Same here, and, yeah. And really a, a person of deep thought and deep substance, um, just with utter courage. And, and, and her best friend on the court was Scalia. You know, yeah. they're ideologically polar opposed opposition, um, but they were their friendship was was enduring and deep. 
Well, um, maybe opera will bring us all together. Who knows? Uh, they were mm-hmm. f- they were both opera fans. I don't know if opera is the glue that's going to bring the red states and the blue states together. Who knows? But uh, he it, it was just announced that Trump is selecting Amy Conan, Coney yeah. Barrett. Uh, Coney, as in Coney Island, I have a lot of connections to Coney Island. I don't know which. I don't know why her middle name is Coney, or, or maybe it's her last name, but it's supposedly Welsh for rabbit. So maybe she's Welsh. I don't know, but he just selected her right off of the Federalist list, the Federalist Society list. And mm-hmm. and that's because, you know, she's been vetted as a conservative who uh, will try to do away with Roe versus Wade and, you know, uh, will try to repeal the Affordable Care Act and these other things we've been worried about. And, you know, that phrase about election having elections having consequences, this is what they mean, right, Earl? I mean, they mean elections have consequences. Six oh, yeah. judges on the six conservatives on the Supreme Court. Yep. I, I I really think the RV Wade is kind of a, a, a third rail. Um, if they start getting into that and there still is Democrat in power, um, I, I expect to be an expanded court, you know, because the courts had everything from six to it started out with six. In the 1800s, they, they expanded and contracted the court numerous times. So they can constitutionally expand the court, put more judges on there. Yeah, and I really think if they re- if they reject Roe versus Wade, um, there there will be a big political pushback on that. Well, FDR and, famously, and I also think uh, with, with people with the ACA, um, you know, I, I read this. This was something in a headline in one of the paper. I subscribed to the Washington Post, New York Times, and and L.A. Times, um, but there was a headline about you know Trump's executive order protecting pre-existing conditions, which are already in the ACA. It's already there. The mint shit. Um, of course, they're trying to undermine the ACA. The only reason he's doing it is because Barack Obama pushed it through. But this headline said, yet to um, um, present a conservative alternative. And I'm reading that, that. That is so misleading. That The ACA is the conservative alternative. Bob Dole ran on it. Uh, against the Clintons, because Hillary Clinton, when Bill was president, that's they were trying to push through socialized medicine. And Bob Dole's entire campaign against that was that, no, we, we privatize it. We, so it was the ACA. And I remember reading on it, it goes back to like the 70s. There was some conservative think tank that, that first were the first ones to put forth that idea. Um, yeah, that I mean, it, I, I privately I, controlled. Thank so, you. so, you know, as soon as Obama gets in there and realizes he's not going to get through socialized medicine, he takes the conservative idea and, and runs with it, gets it passed. Well, then they, they make a political cudgel out of it. That's what bothers me the most about politics. And it's on both sides of the damned aisle. It's not about solving problems and helping people. It's not. It's about power. For ninety percent of those people, it's about power. Um, because instead of uh, when when uh, when Romney ran, you know he was very successful with essentially the ACA in Massachusetts. He ran it statewide. Yeah. And if he had ran and said, "Okay, hey, this this ACA has been passed," President Obama, you know, he doesn't understand. It do, he doesn't work the way it works best the way I. If he had said that. Then hey oh okay well what what's your idea how how can this be made better for people, but that wasn't it that wasn't the the political take on it no it's it doesn't work it will destroy health care it will leave you sick and dying and there will be death panels like, oh yeah that's the biggest line of bullshit you know you you successfully implemented it you made it work so. Suddenly, it's bad. Well, let's go back to 1937 and FDR trying to pack the court, as they said, trying to put 12 justices, three more on there because he couldn't get anything done. He wanted to get that new deal going on. He had to lend lease. He had all this crap. And he was not he was getting frustrated. And he said, OK, well, you know, since there isn't really a mandated number, I'm just going to come up with three more justices. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't go over so well because of tradition. But I think it could have a better chance of success this time because... What has happened with the levers of power is they've been put firmly 
in the hands of the minority. And we now have a tyranny of the minority over the majority. And whereas our Constitution was written to make sure that the minority couldn't be tyrannized by the majority, there's it says very little about what happens when the minority, namely the GOP, uses every lever of power to to essentially thwart the will of the majority of Americans, which is what's going on now. So the only way to break that, there's a few, well, first Biden would have to become president. Hopefully Democrats get control of the Senate. And then you'd have to put some more justices on the Supreme Court if Donald Trump is successful and gets Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. So I I feel like, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff you're going to read about why it's wrong to pack the court or expand the court. I don't think so in this case. I think that nothing is going to get done because Mitch McConnell, even if he's the minority leader, is going to do everything he can to thwart the will of the people, like he's been doing for years and years now. Why is that? Why does Mitch McConnell hate democracy so damn much? Because it's about his power, Hmm. his own personal power. That's it. When when Obama was elected and he said, our our primary... uh, it had the, I'm trying to think of the exact words he used, but uh, our, our number one objective is to make sure that he's a one-term president. And, right, and and he said early on that they were not going to work with him on anything. Essentially, that we're, uh-huh. we're not going to yeah. work with this guy on anything. And so, the, so that tells you they're not putting the 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 public good at the forefront. You know, it's obvious we 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 have problems with our health care system. It's gotten so ridiculously expensive. If it, you know the vast majority of Americans, if somebody falls ill, well, there goes your house, there goes your future, there goes everything. If not, there goes your life. Right. You know, there's something drastically wrong with our system. We have four percent um, of the world's population and twenty percent of the world's COVID nineteen cases. We we're now above two hundred thousand dead Americans and. Mm-hmm. There is little to no movement in the positive direction on on any of that. Um, yeah, but you say public good, I say common good, and I always thought maybe I sold myself a lie that Americans believed in the common good, but maybe it doesn't go along with the whole idea of rugged individualism. And you and I have talked before about Deadwood and what was said about Deadwood when mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood complained that he didn't like it, it wasn't a Western and... The response was, well, it's not. It's an Eastern, and, and it's about community and the common mm-hmm. good. But I, I feel like that's gone. I don't know how to, how we get that back in America. The idea that we're all in it together and there is a common good. I, that's what worries me is, is I, I, don't see, I don't see us coalescing once again. I, I, I know Joe Biden talks about it, and he wants it to be real, and he wants it to happen. But, but can it anymore with the way that— Donald Trump and Rupert Murdoch and all these vested interests out there vested in keeping us apart as, as long as they're pulling the strings. I mean, can we have public good and common good? And is that what allows Mitch McConnell to succeed? Is that we've lost, if we ever had it, that idea? I, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, nothing unites like a common enemy. So maybe if the outer spacemen attack Earth, there's some chance of us pulling together. Um, that would be but, that would but, be something, boy. I tell you, external you know, threat. My, my it's always is, yes. We're, well, we're under attack by Russia right now. It's a new mm. cold war. It's existing on the internet and in social media, and they're winning it. Um, and and yeah, well, I mean, going back to Deadwood, that was the central theme of the whole show. That's what it's about. And as David said, the archetypical American David Milch was the creator of Deadwood. He said, "Your archetypical American Western, of which I was never a fan." was about individualism in the in case of all else. They were the lies we told ourselves to justify manifest destiny. However, this show is the exact opposite of that. It's about how we, as people, tend to cleave together and form community out of chaos. And, um, yeah. yeah, so we were the anti-Western in, in that respect. I'm um, sorry to always harp on Deadwood when we speak, because I know your career is so much bigger than, than Deadwood, and, and it's got to be frustrating on some level. Forgive me. But, you know, that's what I thought was uh, a, a relevant point to make in light of people like like Mitch McConnell, who wants us to make think, you know, wants us to think it's 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 every person for themselves and, and that the government is not something that is ever going to make your life better. I mean, that 
that's the part that bothers me is because I, there are things that only the federal government is large enough well, to actually do. And they ref- and under Donald Trump, they've refused to do any of those things. Well, it's it, when you speak in absolutisms, no matter how what angle you're coming at it from, um, you're in the wrong. It's it's like I've had this conversation with my daughter. We're talking about the, the rise of of conservatives and, and trickle down economics and all of that stuff. And, you know, we were in this place of the social malaise post-Vietnam. Um, and I think probably the finest human being to ever hold the office of president in my lifetime was Jimmy Carter. I will readily admit he was not an effective president on many fronts. Yeah. Um, you know, and I said when 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 Iran, when the uh, Iran hostage situation happened and our rescue mission failed, that was the end of it. You know, Ronald Reagan was the guy for that time. He was the the guy to make Americans proud again. New morning in America. Yeah. You know, and I said, his, straight out of his, Orange County, that bullshit. Straight out of Orange County. Well, well, again, there there is worth to that, mm. especially in that moment. Um, you know, to bring the country out of this social depression that we were in. Um, but the flip to it is, and I said, there can come a point of governmental overreach. Um, when when he said, you know, the worst thing that you can hear is somebody show up to your door and say, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Right. Um, well, um, that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> but in, in discussion with her, I said, but if he had said, um, you know, that governmental overreach, too much government, too, too many regulations, but to throw out all regulations, to throw out all government programs, it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Um, and, and that was, I mean, it made for a great bumper sticker for Ronald Reagan. Um, but, uh, but I think it left lasting damage in the psyche of a lot of people. I hear folks from back home because we had a um, land between the lakes national recreation area that came out of the New Deal. Um, the, um, the dams that were the hydroelectric dams that dammed the Tennessee River and Barkley Rivers, um, all New Deal policies. And it was a very active um, public recreation area that for some reason was under the auspices of the Tennessee Valley Authority instead of our national park system. But um, we had Empire Farms, which we would go over there every year. We'd have a field trip in elementary school. We'd teach you about farming and agriculture and the history of the area. Um, There were numerous social programs and uh, just activities that went on as part of that whole park system. And we we had state parks on both sides of the river uh, that were quite active, too. Well, those were some of the first things that were cut under the Reagan administration. Um, And I hear people back home talk about, well, man, I hate seeing what happened to, you know, Empire Farms. It's just a bunch of old rotted buildings now. You got the silo overlook. It's falling down. And and those are the the conservative people who are saying that. And I tell them, well, it it takes government money. It takes government support to keep these things going. You can't have both things. You can't be, oh, anti-government, anti-government spending, anti-anti, and then expect these things to still be healthy and to still to be there and to be contributing to our kids' education and contributing to our community. Um, well, they were starved of funding. Yeah. That's why they're rotting down. Well, the idea, I mean, uh, you know, with the Works Progress Administration, the things that were built, I mean, the, you know, when you look at the Zabruder film, that's, that's by the way, the what was built there at the Grassy Knolls was a Works Pro- Progress Administration building. All that stuff down in Dallas was the Works Progress Administration. Uh, it, all over this country, there are things that are still standing that went up in the 1930s because the idea was to, you know, increase the common good by coming up with these public facilities that would also provide employment for people. It was a brilliant idea. It it worked. I mean, it really did help stabilize and pull this country out of the depression up until we really got cranked up for World War II when we entered World War II. So, you know, FDR obviously knew a thing or two about what it would take to to pull this country out of that dive. But but we have a leadership now that's completely feckless. 
And the idea of putting people back to work while increasing the common good apparently never occurred to them. I mean, I like what's in the Green New Deal. I like a lot of the things that Joe Biden has said. And I think we could have that again. But why can't we have nice things in America? Or that's what I always wonder is like why we know the future could be so bright and we could have it because it's still a democracy and we could vote it into being. But we end up shooting ourselves in the feet over and over again. And I, I want someone to tell me why. I know it's it's a big it's a heavy well, lift, Earl. I'm sorry, but well, I, I I think in their ideal form, all forms of government work. Um, in their ideal form, these social programs work. I'll, I'll use an example: of something that that Ronald Reagan did that I think was altruistic and I think was well-meaning that had repercussions that we are still dealing with. He's the one that passed the law saying that uh, an emergency room could not turn out anyone if they didn't have insurance or a means to pay, which is a good idea. Right. You know, some some poor person gets hurt, gets their leg broken in an accident. They have nowhere. Well, an emergency room is going to set that leg. Well, the idea was those people who can't pay, those costs will be absor- uh, absorbed by other patients. Okay, great idea. The repercussion of that being our emergency rooms quickly became – overrun with people with with the the minor of problems um so yeah and our our medical costs went through the roof so there's a result of something that that he put forth that had good intentions um i think it's that way with everything i think our our greed and our avarice will spoil even the most pristine spring you know, wow. um, yeah, that's true. everything mm. with good intentions, um, th- there can come a point without regulation, without oversight, um, that human greed and avarice will spoil it because everybody's going to want their own bigger piece of that pie. So, so yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think that's why. Speaking that, of pie, that's it. speaking of pie, what did you do for your birthday? Your birthday's a couple of days after mine. I'm actually a year older than you. I can't believe it, but... It's true. Mm-hmm. So were you able to do anything special, go anywhere? Did you hunker down? I, What'd you do? No, man. I'm, we've been taking this virus pretty seriously. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I no, I, well, there was, we, we got a, uh, a Chicago stuffed crust pizza mm. from Gino's West, and, uh, and I got uh, um, uh, cannoli from uh, Pinocchio's near here. Oh. So there's a Italian bakery over in uh, Pasadena. I think they get their cannoli from really good cannoli. Oh, I, so I, I, I I'll never pass by food. a cannoli, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you. Uh, we, so you and I will never pass by a cannoli. We might fight over the sole cannoli if there's only one. I hope not. <laughs> uh, or you could always break those things in half and share them. That's good. Yeah. Uh, maybe not I'm, in the I'm, age I'm, of COVID-19. most for, I'm missing... Well, I'm missing sporting events, but at least we're getting some sports back on TV. Oh, you watching The Last uh, Dance? I, I did it. you watch The Last Dance on Netflix? Oh, my God, it's so oh, good. Oh, of course I did. Oh, my God, it's we're, so good. We're, we're, we were there at right. several of those games. Nice. And we actually, in one, we see Kerry's old boss, who would always give, we got his tickets. Yeah. When he got courtside tickets, he gave us his season tickets. We're only like seven or eight rows off the court. Nice. So we, we went to, oh, shit, probably a dozen games. Yeah, over the course of that first run of champions, so you, we saw we saw Gene like in some of the film. You could see Gene sitting on the on the sidelines. Like, well, we're we're probably at that game because he would give us his tickets when he got those tickets. So um, we got about a minute left. What is the thing you're jonesing for? Is it a food item or, or something else? No, live yeah. concerts. Music. Oh, live! Yeah, you did a whole series on your Facebook page, Earl's on Facebook, about uh, the shows you had been to and reminiscing about the shows you had been to and and. You really are like a creature of uh, the arena and, and going out to see live music, and it's got to be frustrating. I go yeah. I've, all the time. I mean, just you know, at least two shows a month. We were at a club or an arena. or Well, you were um, on stage yourself playing with the Sacred Cowboys, too, I'm sure. So yeah. It's, you know, there's yeah, all of that been playing, is gone. I was now. thinking it's, it, it's been almost a year since our last gig. We played October of last year. Um, we recorded, we've got two videos that I'm just proud as can be. They turned out so far beyond what I thought they would be. Mm. And we filmed them just over a year ago that we filmed the live action parts of it. One of them has anim, well, they both have animation in it, but very different. Um, and we're trying to find the right way to get them released and get them out there. Well, so when we're you, sitting on them at the moment, when you do, but, yeah, let I, me know. Miss, yeah. 
Earl, I will. We're I, so out of road, but I can't believe how fast the time goes, and there's so much more we could have talked yep. about. But you're always a pleasure to speak with. I do appreciate you spending some time All right. with me. And uh, W. Earl Brown has been my guest here on Aerial View for the last uh, 30 or so, 40 minutes. Thank you, Earl. Why does it got to make that noise? This is thehoundnyc.com, and uh, stay tuned. More Hound Howls coming up. Woman, man, camera TV. They say...